Hi, I'm Andrea Tallison, an anti-diet intermittent fasting coach, and this is the Intuitively Intermittent Podcast. My mission is to provide women who want the health benefits of intermittent fasting with the community, resources, and coaching they need to not feel stuck on yet another diet. This podcast is one of those resources. Please be sure to seek out medical advice from a doctor or healthcare provider, as this podcast is intended for educational purposes only. Thank you for being here. Now, let's dive in. Hi everybody, Andrea here, and this is a solo show that I'm hoping you will find useful uh, as I'm thinking that I'm going to end up doing more of this type of uh, podcast episode. So definitely um, I'll be checking in with the group to get feedback uh, in the Facebook group and to hear your thoughts on this. But uh, the episodes I've been recording lately, even though... Um, they haven't been necessarily as well thought out. The feedback I've been getting has been positive and that you seem to be resonating with my thoughts and my reflections on topics. So I thought I would share with you some of the work that I'm doing personally on this journey uh, to intuitive eating. And when I talk about doing this work, I'm talking about specifically reading the intuitive eating book. I have, um, I bought the book um, back when it was version three, uh, when I first started this work a couple years ago. And I have certainly used it and referred to it, but I haven't actually read through the book in its entirety and processed the contents. And then earlier this year, I found out that they were releasing a new updated version And so I decided to uh, purchase that one and now I'm working through it and reading and reflecting and I thought I would share those reflections with you. I would love to have some of you do this work and reflection with me and I'm hoping to create some good conversations in the Facebook group on this. So I'll include a link to the book in the show notes if you want to check it out and follow along. Um, I'm not certain if this is going to be a every two weeks kind of thing or if I end up recording more frequently um, because, you know, there's a lot of really meaty stuff in these, you know, even just a few pages. And uh, so... I realize that if I do this every two weeks, we're going to be reading this book for a couple years probably. (laughs) So we'll see how this all unfolds. And uh, again, just let me know your thoughts uh, by, you know, sharing with me in the Facebook group. So um, I'm going to actually start with some reflections that came up for me, even just in reading the foreword to the book. Um, And there are going to be some times in my reflections here where I will read, you know, a paragraph or something. But, you know, I, this isn't an audiobook and it can't be an audiobook. So I have to just be mindful of um, sharing my reflections on things and not making this a read through of the book. So I'm going to try to walk that, um, that walk that line to be respectful of the author's 
for their original work because you know, this is their work. I'm just sharing my reflections with you on it. So um, at one of the very first pages, um, they they talk about how humans developed like three different brains, if you will, as we evolved. And it's, they are, they involve the interplay of our instinct and our emotion and our thoughts. And I've, I was reflecting on how this all factored into my experiences with dieting over the years when I was unable to cope with difficult emotions. I turned to food as a source of comfort and safety, which when I think of comfort and safety, I think of that as very instinctual needs. And then with repeated dieting, you know, every attempt at dieting that I did over the 17 years I was dieting, I was eating less than my body was needing. And so then when I stopped dieting, there was an instinctual drive for my survival and which led me ultimately to gain weight back time and time again. And then I think about what happens when you're following a diet really strictly. And as I was reflecting on that, it occurred to me that a lot of times diets take away the thought and the emotion behind our food choices so uh, I'm thinking back to the last diet like there was there was no thought in the moment I was supposed to decide what I was going to eat the night before it was specific food groups it was specific portions there really was no decision making to be made in that moment and you know based on following that diet if I was making a decision I was breaking some rule of some sort so that was one example and then you know The other, just in the emotional aspect of things, dieting, taking away the emotions, if if I was following the rules, it was often, like I have a tendency, I, I have and had a tendency to turn to food when I'm feeling emotional. And I'm aware of this and sometimes I will make that choice. But when I'm following a diet, that choice is just removed, right? Like there's no... The food decision is made for me, and so I don't have to think about, if I'm following the rules, I don't have to think about whether or not um, I'm going to eat because I'm stressed out or eat because I'm celebrating something. The decision is just made. And so then when I'm not dieting in the past, then all of a sudden with those emotions, now food is a tool again. And in some ways it would lead to overcompensating for all of the time that I hadn't been allowing myself that that source of comfort. So I, I found this little section, even though it was literally only a paragraph, um, I've, I found it interesting to just think back on my history with dieting and how there was always one aspect of those three things, instinct, emotion, and thought, that was trying to be decided through the process of dieting. And when I finally did make the decision to be done with dieting for good, I had become tired of just um, not feeling like I was thought of as whole, right? Like the last diet I did, it just, it left me... 
Yeah, there was not a sense of wholeness. And I, I don't know how best to articulate it without spiraling that into a whole separate topic. Um, but I, part of my ability as a human being is to reflect and to evolve. And this idea that I wasn't able to grow and evolve and learn how to cope with my emotions differently and all that stuff, like that was all some of what I took from the last diet I did, even if it wasn't the message explicitly. And I was just done with thinking of myself as not whole to begin with. And I think that I've talked on numerous episodes about values and how important values are into how I think about food. And I think this sense of wholeness and wanting to feel whole is one of the reasons that I do focus on my values so much now. Because a lot of times when when decisions are challenging, when when things are unclear when the path forward is unclear, those values can be that lighthouse in the distance to guide me, um, even when I'm feeling uncertain. And, you know, unlearning years of dieting is not something that's going to happen overnight. And so this is a journey that I have to commit to for the long haul. So there's a, a section of the, um, the forward here that I'm going to read a, a paragraph from and it triggered a couple things as I was reading it that I felt like was worthwhile to share. Um, so this is in the middle of page XII which I guess is 12 in Roman numerals and it's an excerpt from the second paragraph here um, and this is the author speaking. We have often heard someone say, I thought that as an intuitive eater, I could eat whatever I wanted. So now I eat whatever I want and as much as I want whenever I feel like it. This comment actually distorts the premise of intuitive eating. Yes, make peace with food and eat what pleases your palate. Yes, give yourself the freedom to eat unconditionally and eat as much as you need to satisfy your body. But eating whenever you feel like it without regard to hunger and fullness might not be a very satisfying experience and might also cause physical discomfort. Attunement with your body's satiety cues is an important part of this process. And I think that jumped out at me because there's been more than one person that I've talked to or that I've heard talk about intuitive eating that has commented on intuitive eating just not working for them. And I wonder if, you know, it's hard to say exactly what was going on, but I wonder if, uh, I guess speaking from my own experience, as I was starting this journey, I definitely was of the mindset of, I am going to eat what I want when I want it. And it led to going back for seconds when I probably was comfortably full after my first serving. And it led to all sorts of behaviors that um, ultimately, in hindsight, weren't very satisfying. And I needed to be able to stick through that and learn to learn that trust again so that I could have faith in myself that I wasn't going to resort to dieting again. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think I'll jump on to the next, um, the next stuff I wanted to touch on. Um, 
just after that paragraph I just read to you, the authors talk about the idea of creating memory files of past experiences that we ultimately use to inform our current and future eating decisions. And I think the point in all of this is a lot of times, um, you know, people will reduce food to just something that happens with your tongue and your stomach, but our mind is also involved. And in this, in this idea of needing to, you know, thinking of your, your mind as sort of a, a file, a file cabinet of sorts that's recording memories of past experiences. And I wanted to give you some examples of stuff that's happened for me since I, I fully started on this journey. So um, I was, for a while I was drinking these really creamy, delicious chocolate, like meal replacement shakes, like a protein shake of sorts. And I would find that I would make myself one of these shakes and I would drink it and I would drink it really quickly and then I would be left feeling unsatisfied. And and then I don't know what led me to do it, but I had I cut up some cantaloupe and I ate it with the the chocolate shake as sort of a base and then I put some like the generic equivalent of grape nut cereal over it and it was a wholly different experience, wholly like H no W-H-O-L-L-Y. It was just a significantly different experience. And what I learned from that is that I often need something that's crunchy in order to satisfy my taste. And so that's something that I've stored in my memory files now. And if I'm finding that something's not very satisfying, that's something that I can look back on and go, hmm, is that a texture thing? Am I looking for something different there? Um, And then there's other things that are texture related. Like I I used to love bananas and now I don't care for them so much anymore. And I think it's a texture thing. Um, Or examples of like candies, which, you know, when I finally started to allow myself to eat sugar again, it was like, oh my gosh, I can have candy again. But then as I would try these candies that I used to enjoy as a child, I would find that they just were not as satisfying like the texture just was off or they were too sweet or they were artificially sweet or something and like so the key in all this for me was storing those details in my memory files and then not trying to just repeat the same thing over and over expecting a different a different response like isn't that I don't know if it's like an Albert Einstein quote the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Like, why would I continue to eat a particular piece of candy when I've decided that I don't care for it anymore? Like, why waste why waste the time and energy or the calories on, you know, enjoying something that I've realized I just don't care for anymore? And that's where those memory files come in. Um, and so then the last thing I want to touch on today, which... I found somewhat reassuring with my own journey was there's a paragraph on, I'm trying to look at the page here, paragraph uh, at the top of page XIII, so um, Roman numeral 13, where they talk about how in the beginning of your intuitive eating journey, it's possible that you're going to end up having to be hyper-conscious of things like hunger and fullness and satisfaction and your thoughts and your emotions around food. And I've been working at this now for two and a half years. And 
two and a half years ago when I was first getting started, I definitely was hyper conscious of that sort of thing. In fact, if you go back in the archives for the podcast, one of my first handful of episodes was on like the seven steps to eating more intuitively, uh, something along the lines. And I'll, uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. But I think about that now in hindsight, and I like I've sort of been questioning the usefulness of that episode, right? But then reading this paragraph, it I realized that like at the time and where I was in my journey, that was absolutely a tool that benefited me. And it benefited me because like I would eat something and I would assess how full I was after I was done eating and I would think, okay, I think I'm going to be hungry in another three hours. And so I would set a timer for three hours and then check in with myself, how hungry am I now? And it was just a way to ease myself into listening to my body in a way that I hadn't had to do when I was dieting. And so I think depending upon where you are in your journey, there are going to be tools that you find helpful at various times, like just like I found, you know, the hunger fullness scale to be really helpful back then. And it's easy, I think, when when we move past that stage, when I moved past that stage, it was easy for me to look back and feel a little bit embarrassed about having needed that at one point. But this is a journey and that tool served me back then. And just because I don't need it now doesn't mean it wasn't helpful at the time I used it. So I hope that you have found some of these reflections helpful. I look forward to conversations in the Facebook group. And again, if you want to follow along with my reflections and maybe do some of your own, I'll put a link to the book in the show notes. And I am, I am planning on, I don't know, um, you know, if the episodes will end up being one episode per chapter, or if they'll end up getting too long to make that happen. We'll just see how it goes. I'm going to figure this out as it works, but I am going to I'm, I'm committing to do my read-through, so the only question is whether or not you want to uh, join me with my reflections. So hope you have a great day and that you and your loved ones are safe in this time of uh, COVID-19. And in the U.S., we're about to go back to school. So hope everyone is safe. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Intuitively Intermittent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you may be wondering what happens next. Whenever you are ready, here are three additional ways I can support you. First, head over to the Intuitively Intermittent Facebook group. It's made up of people just like you and is a safe space in which to find support and ask questions. Second, the group coaching program based upon my Freedom for Life framework starts up several times a year. The best place to stay informed about that will be in the Facebook group as well. Please share your interest and your email address in the entry questions for the group. Lastly, I do work with a limited number of one-on-one coaching clients. If you resonate with me and my message and want to see if working together is a good fit, please send an email to hello at thiswellseasonedlife.com and I'll reach out to you to set up a time to talk. Enjoy the rest of your day, 
And remember, your value as a person cannot be measured in inches and pounds. Mm -hmm.